are back. Thank you guys for joining us once again. It's Monday, the start of a brand new week. I mean, out in Paris, it's 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 a it's a lot. There's a lot going on, and UFC 274 was the last of these three, and definitely had the most takeaways, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be pretty dominant on this episode. It, it just so such a roller coaster ride of a night was UFC 274, and that all started with the fight week leading up. Uh, what a crazy fight week! You got Charles Oliveira missing weight. As the champion, he is stripped of the lightweight title. You have Tony Ferguson going mm-hmm. on rants, comparing Dana White to a drug dealer. Uh, just a lot going on on this fight week. Uh, but we're here. We're going to recap all of it. But first, Dominic, how are you feeling now that we're here with the new week? I'm telling you, man, the fight hangovers hit differently after a UFC pay-per-view. Uh, like you said, it was a emotional roller coaster for uh, UFC 274, the main card specifically, even more specifically, the last three fights. Uh, but we're here to break it all down. I'm excited. Recording this on Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there, including Noah and I's mothers. Uh, hopefully everyone has some good family time today with those you love dearly. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a wild ride on today's show, but there's no one else I'd rather do it with than yeah. Mr. Noah Baker over yes. here to my right. Yes, I thank you. I agree. I completely agree. We're I mean, we were talking. We couldn't help ourselves, but like go over everything before we started <laughs> yeah. recording that we're about yeah. to talk about here. So this will just be like replay and art polishing. For us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we hop right in, I want to remind everyone where they can find us on social media. If you are watching on YouTube, you look right above Dom's head. That's where you can find the podcast, uh, Twitter and Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. That's for both the Instagram and the Twitter. Now, me and Dominic also have our own personal Twitters and Instagrams, and you can find him, Dom, that is, at Diesley14. You can find me at ntbaker underscore make sure to check out our bios i believe you have that link there as well don't you damn right yep we both have the link to the link tree shout out to today's sponsor anchor you can find them on there our anchor page um, along with a host of other links for all the platforms that the podcast is on including those two social media links that i just mentioned so make sure to check those out but dominic let's get into ufc 274 it starts with the main event charles Oliveira. And what was a wild scrap of a first round gets the submission (laughs) win over Justin Gaethje three minutes and 22 seconds in. Now, I think we should actually start with this fight in the lead up. Yes, of course. The the, the fight week drama. Now, apologies. I think this would have been a perfect opportunity with everything that happened in the fight week for me and Dominic to once again head over to Spotify Live. Uh, Make sure to follow us on there. Um, I don't know what our... (laughs) hats are off the top of my head but um basically we we want to start we we've done it a couple times over on spotify live where just live get on there go live it's just audio and just go over some of the big happenings like we did it for bellator 270 uh, it was one of the later one yeah yeah um and then we did it to go over to press conference leading up to one of the UFC events. I think it was 272. Yeah. yeah. Um, But this would have been a great opportunity to do it. Uh, However, I had a wedding and stuff that I was uh, involved with this weekend. 
So it kind of made my availability pretty scattered. You're so a hot commodity, hard. Noah. Uh, you know, people just want to put me in their wedding so bad, and I would just ask that you all be uh, polite of my wishes to only <laughs> mindful, <watch MMA laughs> yeah, and uh, not ask me to do that. No, right. I'm just kidding. It was a great time, but because of that, I couldn't really lock down a time with Dom that I would really be available to even do it. And um, plus, I still had to catch up on Bellator and PFL because I wasn't completely able to watch those live. It just there was just too much going on, but because of that main event we'll talk about it right now charles Oliveira steps on the scale dominic he weighs in at 156 pounds his first time yep uh, i believe he gets back on the scale and weighs 155.5 yep now if this was a non-title fight he would have been fine from the first weigh-in however for title fights there's no one pound allowance you have to weigh even 155 pounds yeah so he is given another hour to cut the last half pound. He comes back, literally takes the whole hour, comes back an hour later, didn't lose anything. 155.5 pounds. I was following this live. This was before the rehearsal dinner I was going to. So I was like sweating. I'm like, oh my God, this is so much drama. Yes. And I got to go to this rehearsal dinner. I'm like, I want to talk about this. So, you know, it's just... Not the weekend for this to happen. But yeah. because of this, Dom, we still have a title fight, but our champion just gets stripped. He is, even with the win, which he just happened, um, not able to retain or to take his title back. Justin Gaethje, however, weighed in at 155 pounds, and he was eligible to win this title. Yeah. So I want to, I want, because I know a lot's happened since. And, and I think our discussion, if we talked about this on Friday, would have been a lot different than yeah. how we discuss it now. So I want you to tell the viewers, like, play by play, what was going through your mind when this was unfolding? Because we were all texting about it in our group chat. Yeah. You know, we said watching UFC 274 was an emotional roller coaster. It was a roller coaster just getting to Saturday night. I mean, it was crazy. Um, you know, to see that happen to Charles. And then there's just even more controversy about the athletic commission in Arizona. Some people say in the scales are awful. Uh, people are like, why are we weighing in on the digital? Then we're going to a different scale. People are commenting to just have the digital scale, do everything up on this. Like so much was going on. So many conversations. Um, Charles Oliveira saying that they did everything right. He had tweeted. He was on weight the night before the fight tweeted. He was on weight, you know, the morning of, then goes in and all this happens. Uh, it was crazy. Um, yeah, a lot of people are quick to throw hate and shade. And, you know, I understand it. You got to make championship weight. And he's clearly done that before. He's never had a mishap at 155 pounds. We saw multiple mishaps when he was back at featherweight many moons ago. So it was just part of you, or at least I'm speaking for me, part of me felt bad for Charles. Like, man, this is a guy that's had this amazing story, scratched and clawed his way to this greatness that he's rightfully earned. And then you're like, oh, but you you miss weight, man. When we, we, we dog people for missing weight, it happens all the time, especially bad uh, weight misses. There was really bad one even for the PFL, for example, this week. That was like five pounds for Ray Cooper. So it was just a crazy roller coaster. We're going in. Justin Gaethje, on the other hand, nothing changes for him. This is a guy that is still is going in to fight for the title. He can leave as the undisputed champ. And Charles is just fighting for a number one contender spot. It was it was very weird. We've never had it happen. It was a truly historical mm -hmm. time. A champion has never lost their belt 
on the scale. So uh, to see it happen for the first time, that's kind of just me rambling on everything that was blasting through my head going into Saturday. It was just crazy. So I think we actually must have, I, I think I felt maybe a little more strongly about what had occurred than I guess you did because what went through my head was that this was a huge blemish on Charles Oliveira's legacy. I mean, this is a guy that we were discussing on Friday. Mm-hmm. If he won on Saturday, you know, before the, or on Thursday, we discussed this, right. I should say. Yeah. Um, we were discussing if he were to win Saturday, you know, he might be in the conversation for the best lightweight of all time in the UFC. Mm-hmm. So when he missed weight, it felt like, well, that's out of the question. He's, just lost his title. I mean, I couldn't think of a bigger blunder for a title reign for a champion in UFC history. I mean, no UFC champion has yeah. lost their belt to the scales. I mean, yeah, you do have uh, Nico Montano kind of, but she never actually weighed in. So, right, right. Um, Charles is the first. And this tied him with John Lineker for the most weight misses in UFC history with five. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just not good all around. It was the first time he had missed weight at lightweight, but right. considering the history, it just brought it, it. It brought up a lot of questions. Yeah, and I truly, as much as I've loved Charles Oliveira on this run, I said I don't think he can recover from this. I, I said, not only does he look terrible on the scales, and has basically drained himself of everything, while Justin Gaethje's just kind of coasting back to his rehydrated yep. point. I said, he's going to go out there and get starched. This is what's going through my head. He's going to go out there and get starched, and then we'll probably never see him sniff a title fight again. again. Yeah. I mean, that's truly how it felt in the moment. It felt so dire. I mean, all the talk. Yes, of course, it's a half pound, right? Like, it's is it really making a difference? No, but you have to have a rule. You have to yep. hold people to a standard. So I don't disagree with either ruling here as far as weight gate as they're calling it the scales apparently the ufc offer scales for you to weigh in on on your way to the official scale yeah and apparently the weights were off by like a half pound i guess so i guess charles made weight on the scale in the back and that's why he was so confused he, yeah and he missed weight yeah but I, I don't know i mean it i don't see the it didn't seem like anybody was cutting any slack here it just you, if you're going to cut it that close, if you're going to be right at 155 pounds, you better make sure that you're right at yeah. 155 pounds. That's all I can really say. Yes, I know you, he probably got a stickler of someone checking the weight, and, you know, there was probably a lot of champions. You know, back when Mark Ratner used to do that, he would just do it so quick and be like, yep, you're good. Yeah. I'm sure Habib Nurmagomedov missed multiple times, but just by whatever, the most minute. Because this wasn't even a half pound if you really looked at the scale. I mean, it yeah, was, it was minuscule. Yeah. Man. But so but you do have to feel bad for him, but it's just like, it to me, it showed a lack of professionalism. It just, it, it just, and I hated that because I love this run he's been on. Yeah. With that being said, Dominic, the fight took place on Saturday. And I can't, I can't say this was a complete 180 legacy. Mm, I mean, yeah. what to go out there and have that kind of fight where he had the battle back from some adversity, got dropped twice in the first round, in the first obviously two and a half minutes or whatever of the fight, or a minute and a half, yeah. But to come back, I mean, that was a lethal performance. I mean, this guy is. 
a he is injected this lightweight division with a dose of poison. He is yeah. the kryptonite for these guys, and this win just solidified that he is the champion. Yes. He is the champion, and yes. I think everybody should treat him as such. I understand UFC might not be able to just say it in name, but make no mistake, when he goes and fights Islam Makachev or Michael Chandler or whoever it might be for the lightweight title, he's the champion walking in, and if they beat him, they truly beat the best champion and lightweight in the world. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, he's the best 155-pound fighter in the world right now. This is 11 straight wins. It's 10 via stoppage, many of those in the first round, and he's now doing it to the other best fighters in the world, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier. His resume is beginning to reach unmatched status, fight by fight, essentially, and he is very close to rivaling uh, Habib for the best lightweight of all time. Yes, the weight cut hurts. It does, but... You look at, you know, it's like Habib had the perfect run on the scales, as I already mentioned. Yes, though, officially, he never had that belt, you know, taken from him for missing weight. So there are still pieces of the puzzle remaining for Charles to uh, reach that milestone. But, man, I mean, what what can you not love about this guy? The the story is second to none in terms of just his upbringing, the the back and forth. I mean, he was 10 and 8 in the UFC, win, lose, you know, back and forth, he's missing weight four times at featherweight. Never looked like he would amount to much outside of a guy that's going to be in fun fights, yeah, but he's never going to amount to a champion or even a contender. Then this run he's had at lightweight is unlike – I mean, what? Tony had a 12-fight win streak and Habib won 13, and now Charles is at 11. I mean, hello, he's right there I and mean, arguably a top three, close to top one. It was just a phenomenal performance, the adversity that he faces time in and time out. He is a lethal weapon, as Noah said. He's so well-rounded. He's so good on the feet. He's an ace on the ground. The problem is, Noah, when people are dropping him, he's been dropped in three straight fights. What, you, are you going to go on the ground with him when you hurt him? He's welcoming it. He's like, yeah, come on down, guys. <laughs> I mean, he essentially just gets time to recover because no one's going to jump on top of him. And when you do, you're fucked. Um, he is a one-of-a-kind athlete at this point in the UFC. Yeah, this was an exceptional fight, and I do think there's a discussion to be had here, Dominic, about where he stacks up at this point, all-time lightweight status, right? I mean, that's the discussion yes. we said we wanted to have at first. We thought it was out of the question with the all the drama, the weightness, the stripping of the title. But now I think we have a legitimate discussion to have here. Like, where where does he stack up to the likes of Habib Nurmagomedov, to BJ Penn, to guys like that? And... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go first. I still think he's a ways away. Um, if you go off of just how he's fighting now, he clearly stacks up to the. I mean, he's right behind like a Habib. If yeah. you went by off of who the how good they are at their peak, I mean, it, it's definitely him. It's those three I just mentioned: Habib, BJ Penn, and him at their best. I mean, that he is looking as good as those guys were in their prime. Yep. But with that being said, that early run still has to account for something. And yes, you know, you got like BJ Penn and that late run he had that, you know, we don't like to talk about that. A lot of losses stacked up. Uh, but Habib didn't do it as long, doesn't have the longevity to his resume, but he is undefeated. Yeah. And um, because of that, I think, I think with this win, you could probably firmly put Charles Oliveira in like the top 25 fighters of all time in the UFC, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's close to being a top five quite yet, and that's where you look at Habib Nurmagomedov right now. 
Yeah, in terms of like all time pound for pound, I wouldn't quite put it there. Like you said, not top five, not top ten. But if I mean, we're looking at a guy now that's only thirty-two years old, and you look at the accolades, the now the solidified most finishes. He broke that tie last night with nineteen. Now uh, he's got what twenty-one wins, and he's thirty-one years or thirty-two <laughs> years old. The the uh, the ceiling is still very high for Charles, which is mind-boggling to me. Sure. I mean, if we're yeah. if he goes out there and beats. Islam Makhachev, he beats Chandler again. He beats Conor McGregor. He beats some of these up-and-coming Rafael Fazayev if he gets to a title shot. I mean, we're talking one of the – I mean, we talk about Dustin Poirier's resume all the time, right? Charles Oliveira's resume is damn near that, if not better. So he's approaching all-time great status, and he's top three best lightweights of all time. So you would put him above – I'm trying to think of like who else would. I mean, Frankie Edgar might be on that list, right? Um, I guess you, Conor McGregor might be on that list for winning. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just. I'm not even sure who the top lightweights of all time would be once you get past the top two. Uh, Benson Henderson held the title for a while. Um, do you do you firmly put him above someone like Frankie Edgar or above Benson Henderson? I I believe you've already said the three. I think probably Habib. BJ Penn and Charles Oliveira. I mean, look at the run. 11 straight wins. No one's ever even done that besides, again, him, Tony, who's never had the undisputed belt, and Habib. It's it's legendary stuff. It is. Um, I just, I'm not, like, I think what you were doing there, you were saying, like, his ceiling is still so high, and you're so right, because, I mean, He's relatively in his prime. I mean, he's 32 years old. Yeah. Yes, he has a ton of experience and fight years, but they don't seem to have worn on him the way that it does for yeah. a lot of guys. I mean, Jose Aldo's not in that. How old is he? 33, 34? 34. And he yeah, just seems 35. a much age, a more aged version of what we have here with Charles. And, yeah, um, that's a great comparison. Um, some of that might be the weight classes because, again, uh, the higher in weight you go, the longer you can kind of be at an elite level, you know, heavyweights sometimes go into their mid forties, but yeah. you don't see that at these lower weight classes unless you're Tronado. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now for Charles, yes, like, he has all these big fights, but it's a lot of projecting saying yeah. like, for him to win some of these fights. I mean, I think a lot of people look at his next potential fight with Islam Makachev and think that, you know, Islam might come in and smash, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I have a hard time believing that he's going to go down quietly in that yeah. fight. Yeah. But um, because of that, like, I could even kind of do the reverse, the Uno reverse on you right there and say, well, he has so much time left. It could actually hurt his legacy if yeah. like, the losses start to stack up. Right. You know, it doesn't feel like it, it right now. It just feels like his legacy is very volatile. That's the word I would use. Mm. Meaning. Mm-hmm. He's really creating it as we speak. So any fight from here, like if he goes to his next fight, let's say it's Islam in Abu Dhabi or whatever, let's say he misses weight again. Yeah. I mean. God forbid. Yeah. I mean, what, you, you just never know. So it's a right. lot of projecting. But as it stands right now, if he were to retire tomorrow, I don't know. I don't know where I, where I put him at. I think you – I think around that 20 to 25 – of fighters of all time and there's an argument that he's the third best lightweight in the world of all time but yeah i'm not sure if it's as solid if he never fights again like we we want we we, we're kind of putting him third with i think 
I'm not sure if we're saying he's the third best lightweight of all time because of what he's accomplished already or because of what we believe he still will accomplish in the future. Because, hmm. I mean, you look at Frankie Edgar and the run he had. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty legit, too. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, let's Well, let's talk about what might be next for, of course. for, for these two guys. I mean, we can't overlook that. For Charles Oliveira, I've mentioned Islam Makachev multiple times. Um, Dana had interesting talking points about that fight at the post-fight press conference. Did you have Fill a chance me to in. watch it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I watched it when it happened. And um, when asked, I believe the question that was brought up first was about if he still would, would want to do Islam Makachev versus Benil Dariush. Because, you know, he doubled right. down on that fight. Uh, Dana said he would still love to see that fight, but he said on his way to the podium, Joe Rogan stopped him and told him not to make that fight. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me one uh, bit. So that was one point. Um, he 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 didn't completely say who uh, who a number one contender might be. He did make it very clear Charles Oliveira will be in yeah. the next lightweight title fight. But, um, you know, he was like, yeah, there's a lot of great options. He was talking about Michael Chandler and never mentioned Conor McGregor, but he did mention Islam Makachev, Benio Dariush. Like, as of now, I feel like the front runner is Islam. Yeah. But I, I don't, but for some reason, I don't feel as confident in it as I think a lot of people want us probably to be. Right, right. Like, I think that's who it should be. Exactly. But Dana just hasn't firmly said, and, and it, because of that, I feel like there's a chance that if for some reason, if, if the timelines don't match up when Islam wants to fight, when Charles wants to fight, or if I, I'm trying to think of uh, who else. I mean, if you look at the top here, I mean, Chandler really made a statement. We'll talk about that. But I, Charles afterwards even called out Conor McGregor in the main yeah. event. So. There's there is just a lot of options, and I could see it to where maybe he doesn't quite get it next. But if I had to guess right now, I would say they would do that fight with him, Charles, and Islam in Abu Dhabi in uh, I think October. October, yeah, I agree. I think that's what will probably happen. And you kind of said it perfectly, where we 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 feel like it should be him. We're just like, mm, what's going to happen? And that's the way it is with these divisions sometimes, especially 155 pounds. Our buddy said something about Daryush potentially being injured too. I don't know how much well, truth there that's is. That's why to he fell out of the. He broke his ankle. That's why he fell out of the. Well, right, Islam but it's fight. still not recovered fully. I guess is well, what he never got surgery on it. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. So uh, that could potentially hinder him and Islam, which is what Dana wanted to do. Therefore, freeing up Islam to take on Oliveira. That's the fight to do. Uh, that that's such a massive fight, man. It, we never got to see Charles versus Habib. But damn it, this is the closest thing to it. So that's what should happen. Uh, the top of this division's on fire. Uh, not that it wasn't coming into Saturday, but now it's even more. Um, it's crazy the amount of contenders that are still uh, seemingly one went away from a title shot as well. But yes, that is what should be next for Charles Oliveira, the vacant title fight uh, with Islam Makhachev. Now for Justin Gaethje, someone who we really haven't talked about much, obviously he was the loser of this fight. Um I think a lot of people were kind of shocked after everything that transpired before in the lead up. I think a lot of people were shocked by the result here and how it happened. Um, surprisingly, Charles hurting him on the feet multiple times early. That within ten me. seconds. Yeah, right I was the... shocked because you saw Michael Chandler land some bombs on him. Yeah. in the fight, and 
Justin just kind of ate it. So I, yeah. I thought for sure Charles would have a hard time hurting him on the feet, and he hurt him first. Yeah. Now, Justin had a lot of success here. Ultimately, it was when the fight went to the ground. We know Justin Gaethje's jiu-jitsu is pretty non-existent in his game. And uh, Charles, once he was, God, once he got Damn. that back, I mean, multiple times, it was just over, chalked, yeah. done. Yeah. Now, for Gaethje, this is a gutting loss. I mean, this is the second time fighting for an undisputed title, second time you've been choked out yeah. and lost in, in, in doing so. What do you do if you're him? What's next for him? Because, again, he's such a fun fighter. He's beating everybody except for these champions, Habib and now Charles. So um, is a rematch with Michael Chandler perhaps the fight to make? Or is a fight with, I don't know, someone else that I'm not quite thinking of off the top of my head, a Dariush or someone like that, stick out to you more? Oh, well, no, I appreciate your wording there because you set it up so perfectly for me to just come in and hit the home run because there's another guy that's been an interim champion that's lost two title fights via choke to the same two people. And by the way, there's history between these two as well. Run it back, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. Let us not forget how a fucking war that they had in 2018 that went into the fourth round. Uh, that's got fight of the night all over it. That's a main event if I've ever seen one. And there's history there. It's two guys that are in a weird spot because they're top three, but you're not necessarily just going to jump right back in for a title fight. Uh, I think it, people have wanted to see that rematch, and now it makes sense. That's what I do all day if I'm the UFC. Poirier Gaethje too. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Poirier needs a fight. He's looking for a fight. Nate Diaz ain't going to be that fight. Uh, yeah, it ain't going to be that one. So now Dana also, I guess I should also just mention that he did. He was asked about the, uh, um, all the, the leak, the, fight, the leak, leak. <laughs> and uh, he was pretty like, and he was kind of like, yeah. oh yeah. He's like, we just did the, we did the, he acted like it wasn't that big of a deal. He's like, no, some of that stuff we put on there as placeholders. He's like, yeah, some of it is stuff that we're trying to do. Some yeah. of it is stuff that's official. So they asked him about Diaz Chimaev, <clears throat> and he said, that fight's not made yet. And they asked, well, is that a fight that you want to make? And he said, yes. Mm. And then <clears throat> they asked if that fight had been offered to Nate Diaz yet, and he said, I don't know. So. <laughs> I love Dana's wisdom. Yeah. But um, interesting points there. I think that uh, that means this is the fight that I think they're setting up then. Yeah. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje too. The first fight was electric. It was awesome. Yeah. It was a war. Justin Gaethje has come a long way since that first fight and really making himself a, a more technical fighter. And Dustin Poirier's stardom has, has rose, yes. risen so much and his confidence has risen so much since then. Um. Do you, do you ever foresee, like, do you feel like that was the last chance for Justin Gaethje, or is it too soon to tell right now? I kind of feel the same way for him and Dustin both, right? It's like they've had those two chances, and they've not gotten it. Granted, for a bigger star, I guess, now because of the fights with Connor and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But Gaethje, don't get it twisted, is a super fan favorite fighter. Fan I see, friendly. Fan fighter, friendly, yeah. yeah. And some hate tossed around. Oh, you said Oliver's a quitter, you tapped. Oh, shut, shut up. People are just so petty just, and yeah, with people. He's just like, talking, you know. It's yeah, just talking. Man. Uh, like, so, but yeah, I kind of hold them in a, in this bracket of their own, right? Them two that I'm not ruling it out that, that 
they're they're good enough to be the champion. You know what I mean? But they yeah. just haven't gotten it done. So 100%, I can't say no, neither guy, but especially Justin since he fought last night. That's I don't think he's completely out. That's yeah. interesting that you put them two together because I agree with you on Justin that I, I don't I, – I can't say for certain that he never will yeah. be there again. But for Dustin, I do feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because I don't think he has many fights left. Yeah, that, that could true. be his last fight with Justin if that happens. I. I just I, I don't I see Justin fighting for a long time and, mm-hmm. and that's why I think that his chances are a lot greater to protect because I, I don't see him falling out of the top ten anytime soon. But right, right, crazier things have happened. We'll talk about that later. Let's get into the co-main event. We talked about that main event forever, which I love. That I mean, I think that's the longest discussion we probably had <laughs> in a single fight. Um, the co-main event. This one will be an interesting discussion. Uh, I love the headline. I'm just going to give myself a pat on the back. Every rose has its thorn. For the second time in Rose Namajunas' career, she has fallen victim to Carla Esparza, this time losing her title to Carla Esparza via split decision. A lot of Razor thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we don't really have a fight to break down, though. <laughs> No, we don't. So uh, let's let's uh, for anyone who didn't watch this or missed it or you know I don't know you just want someone you else fell to asleep, tell you maybe you want to, yeah you want we want to fill in the gaps here you want just someone else to uh, reaffirm what you already felt while watching. This was a non-fight. These yeah. were two women who came in here and weren't looking to fight. That's yeah. just what it is. This is a dare I. Dare I come in and say Nganu Lewis and jump out? Was it worse than Nganu Lewis? Was it worse than Adesanya Romero? Was it worse than shit in your britches and church? Like, I don't know. It, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, it's one of the worst title fights of all time, one of the worst fights in UFC history. Um, nothing really happened here, there was just no action. Um, Rose being the striker of the two seemed very content to try to read Esparza's movement, try to time, get her timing down, uh, land just little jabs here and there, stick and move being given a lot of, uh, she was given a lot of respect to do the takedowns of Esparza, the yeah. wrestling of Esparza. Too much, dare I say. Yes. While Carla being the smaller fighter in stature and, uh, not having quite the striking, wasn't necessarily looking to do that, but could never really find the openings for the takedowns. I think she did get officially one takedown in six attempts. That one takedown she got, though, I don't know if it, I think it was like two seconds of control time. I mean, just enough right to make there. it a takedown. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, obviously, there's not much to talk about for the fight itself, but we can talk about why this happened. We can talk about what this means. How do we feel about it? I think we have an interesting take on this because I think we were kind of in agreement here. I told myself when this fight was over, I said, that fight was awful. Yeah. The only thing that would make this worse is if they give Carlos Barza the title belt. And they did. And they did. And a lot of you might be like, well, why? Like, it didn't matter who won that fight. Both. I just, to me, that was not a title-winning performance. Right. It also wasn't a title-defending performance. Exactly. But I was ready to just forget that fight and move on. And in doing that, if you're washing myself clean of it, who was the champion coming in? It was Rose Namajunas. And 
dare I say, some of this is projecting, but I am I know for sure, for a fact, I've seen it that Rose is capable of much better fights and yeah. better performances. And while I can say the same for Carla to an extent, I don't know if her title run has quite the legs that Rose could have had. No. no. And I think that's part of the frustration I have with the title switching hands here. I yeah. can't really, I'm not going to like, uh, you know, I'm not going to cry foul. This is not where I'm, this is not the hill I'm going to die on people because neither lady deserved to win that, to walk out with the title here. But I'm just saying that it made it even worse that it was like a, a monumental title change. And yet the fight was such a wet fart of a fight. Um, I, I'm going to give you a chance to kind of maybe just, I, I want to kind of guide you here though, because I don't want us to just kind of repeat like the same beats of like, yeah, this fight sucked. This fight was terrible. I mean, we we're making that very clear. This fight yeah. was terrible. Yeah. Are you in agreement with me on this idea that somehow it makes it worse that Carla actually got the belt? Even though, again, she might have won the fight. I mean, I I, I couldn't really score. I don't know it. who won the fight. I kind of yeah. checked out, you know, halfway through, which is also something Dana said he did because they asked him if they thought she won. He goes, honestly, I checked out halfway through. I have no idea. Yeah. Um. So I want I want you to say, like, do you also feel like it made it worse that a new champion was crowned here? And if so, what, well, you know, what, where, why do we feel that way? Yeah, it's a weird feeling, right? I mean, uh, and I do agree. I even texted in the group chat and I kind of had this like debate in my head. So I want actually, I'll just pull up the messages because I want to see exactly what I said. I said, it does it feel wrong that Carla was crowned the new champion, but would it have felt right? if Rose retained the title. I said, this is a debate happening in my brain right now, and it's essentially what Noah was just saying. I did kind of screw up on the nosebleeds Friday for those that watch, and I said that Rose had been dominant. I tend to miss... I I fuck up when I say that word. But in my head, what I wish I would have just projected into the microphone is that when I look at Rose, her potential to me, I feel like she has the skill set to be one of, if not the best women's fighters we've ever seen in the UFC. I truly believe that, and she showed me performances to make me believe that. And then to see this last night was just so stunning to me. I was left speechless in a fight that sucked. It's usually the other way around. A fight's crazy, and you're just stunned, right? This fight was so bad that I was shocked. I didn't know who won the fight. I don't know what should come next for either person. It it it's it sucks that Rose loses the belt this way, but she didn't do anything to keep her belt. Um, so Carla is the new strawweight champion of the world. By the way, shout out Carla Esparza. You get married in six days. Quite the wedding gift to bring a yeah, belt. Yeah, and had your no wedding. damage done to her face whatsoever. Yeah. Some, I, one of the commentators said, maybe they signed an agreement that Carla wouldn't get bruised up going into her wedding or something. But, um, you know, and I just to add on to the fight, again, I'm not saying it's, it, it sucked, right? But there was two rounds out of five that I felt I could score for a person. Round four for Carla, round five for Rose. Then there's three rounds that happened before that. Ain't got a damn clue who you could have scored it for. So really, it was one to one. Just score the fight or draw and move on. I think no, even kind of, did you send that at some point? I said last just night? score. Yeah, because yeah. they were talking about doing a ten ten round in the yeah. first, and yeah. you know, I was like, just score it a draw and move on. Like, let's just not have to. Let's forget this fight happened. 
Um, so yeah, I hope a fight like this never happens again, especially uh, in a five round title fight with so many implications. I don't even know what happens for Rose next. Um, back to the drawing board. I know you might want to touch on. Yeah, let me let me say let me save one thing though real quick before I get into that. Mm-hmm. If people are st- maybe struggling to kind of articulate how they're feeling right now, because I think a lot of people are kind of just like, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah. And a lot of people are upset, and I understand that. This feels a lot like if that Adesanya Romero fight had happened and Yoel Romero gets the belt. Yeah. That's that's how it feels. Now, don't get me wrong. That fight has got a lot more action than this one. Yes. Um, yes. But it would have been so, like, Yoel Romero's a guy, the personal favorite of mine that I've grown up, like, or through the last few years, I've yeah. loved watching his performances. But you have to know that, like, he doesn't have near the capabilities of a title run that Israel Adesanya has. You know what I mean? Yeah, of so course. So it would have felt it just would have felt wrong almost to let him get the belt on that when he's in his forties and yeah. I know that shouldn't play a factor. I'm just saying that's how I would have felt. Yeah. And that's how I feel here. Yes, Carlos Barza probably has more years left in her than Yoel Romero did at that time. But I'm just saying I have a lot less confidence in, in Carlos Barza to put on fun fights, to put on, you know, fights that I want to watch with. I mean, we'll see who's next to her because she might not have a choice. But um, I do want to touch on the corner. It's a hot take, probably. But this is a huge first blemish for Trevor Whitman as a coach. Now, Trevor Whitman, we've been in the honeymoon phase with Trevor Whitman for a few years now. He's a genius. He's the best in the business, right? You know, he had that monumental night at UFC 268 where yep. all three of his fighters won their respective bouts. Yep. Yes, they all You're right. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, here, though, I just do not know what this corner was thinking. Now, yes, you're right. I know you off recording mentioned Pat Barry, yeah. uh, Rose Namajunas' husband. They were married, right? Or fiancé, something. Fiancé, yeah. okay. Um, and yes, you're probably right, but all in all, the the head coach here right. is Trevor Whitman, right? And if 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 so, if someone else, if an assistant coach, Pat Barry, whatever, if they're out of line and has been, you got to take control of the situation. Yeah, I agree. Now the problem is here that after round one, it was very confusing when the, their corner felt like that round went perfect. <laughs> I was kind of like, and I, and I, and in my head at the time, now Dominic even texted and said, I love listening to Trevor Whitman talk. And I think at the time it felt like, okay, they felt like they got a really good read on exactly. their and their timing. Yeah, exactly. So then you were expecting kind of rounds two through five to be higher output. Right. More of the rows we've seen previous. Yep. And then it didn't happen, but each round where we would go and listen to Trevor Whitman, he had nothing but good things to say. I mean, yeah. it was all going according to plan. Yeah. And I just, I mean, setting up, he set up Rose to fail here. Yeah. He, and I mean, there's a lot of responsibility that's got to be put on him. Again, I know, Rose is the fighter. She's the one that's got to go in there and do it. But as being that he is probably the best coach in MMA, this is like, I mean, that was puzzling to see that they were so enamored with their performance they they got into their own heads almost they almost bought into their own yeah their own hype and yeah. and rose maybe has a point where even in her post fight press conference she kind of said well everybody knows that carla's game plan is to wrestle 
I saw so, that. So yeah. the fact that she wasn't able to do that tells me that she didn't win the fight. And I kind of get what she's saying, but also she didn't do anything in this fight. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, there were probably a round here where Rose's or Carla's failed or maybe Carla getting that takedown that lasted two seconds of control time might have secured her that round. Or even just a tempting one, yeah. like, could have won, you know? Did she say, by the way, uh, she was told she was up 4-0 going into the fifth? I, I don't remember that, that. I don't remember. I but. feel like I saw something on Twitter where she had been told they felt like she was up 4-0 going into the fifth. If that is the case, if you're a cornerman and a head coach, how in the how in the right mindset can you tell your fighter confidently that you're up 4-0 going into the fifth round. Dare Where? I say, that's fireable. That's now, te- no you're not going to fire. You're not going to fire these coaches. Obviously, one of them's her fiancé. One of them's yeah. the best coach in MMA. But, make. I mean, that is fireable to, to, yeah. to, to make your fighter that delirious or that um, – to lead them astray that far. Yeah, it's um, it's odd. We've never seen a title fight like this. We've seen some close, but this one took the cake. Uh, I I know Dana said they're looking Yoana and Zhang Wei Li could be the next title contender. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Dom. So we we kind of were non-committal to that fight happening at UFC 275, the rematch, Zhang Wei Li, Yoana Yemjechuk. We were kind of non-committal on that being the next title fight, you know, because in our heads it felt like Rose was we probably both thought Rose would retain. Yeah. And she had beat both of them twice. Yeah. Um, now that that is not what's happened here, I think that's clearly the winner of that will get the next title fight. Which is unfortunate, if I'm being honest. Uh, it's a fresh it? matchup I, for me as a fan because I still think Marina Rodriguez should be the next title oh, contender. yeah, well, you're right. And you she has right. history with Carla Esparza. That's the only person Marina Rodriguez has ever lost to is Carla Esparza. Um but yeah, so it's a fresh matchup. If it's Zhang Wei Li that wins, she's never fought her. And Joanna took the belt from Carla seven years ago, so there's history there too. Um, and I get that fight; it's fucking incredible. I'm so excited to see it next month. I hope they make it five rounds, please, Dana and the boys. Please make it five rounds. But um, I, I'm sorry, but I Marina Rodriguez is on a is on a win streak right now when no one else is. If these two aren't fighting until June, why can't we match this? Carla took no damage. She's yeah. she can, as soon as she gets back from her honeymoon, put her back in there with Marina Rodriguez, get the fight over with, um, and then if Marina becomes the champion, uh, you're looking at she's always in fun fights when she's striking with people. So I don't know. I think that's what well, should be next. Let me opinion. just tell you that I don't. I'm not going to say you're wrong because I know it's opinion. So <laughs> everybody's entitled to one, right? But what I this is not a hill that I like. I can't say like I'm not going to get on here and. Um, be like you're very much in Marina's corner here and rightfully so because I mean you're probably right she probably does deserve the next title shot but after what we just saw combined with the fact that when Marina and Carla fought the first time it was kind of a snoozer yep I can't we we were actually we were asking the UFC to put Carla in this title fight with Rose in the first place (laughs) yeah yep we were saying that it was BS that Zhang Wei Li had gotten the title fight. And now I don't want to start getting into like this thing of, well, since the fight turned out to be, that's not really how title fight should be made. It should be right. off of who, you know, who who's deserving it. number one contender, yeah. right? But it's hard for me to be like, 
so supportive when I just don't have confidence in that being a fun fight. Yeah. Now, if the winner of Whaley Ioana gets that title fight, now we have something interesting, in my opinion. So, in my opinion, either one of those fights against Carla is a better fight than Carla versus Marina right now. Um, so, okay. Just a small discussion. Mm. What kind of makes you, in your mindset, lean that way? Because, truthfully, Marina and Ioana are very similar stylistically mm. Zhang Wei Li's different than both of them but if Carla's gonna fight the way she did against Rose does it really even matter who her next opponent would be from an excitement standpoint if you're the matchmakers you know well I mean she's not gonna exactly have the exact same game plan that she had against Rose I mean yes she sure she does always come in with a grappling mindset but then right. you, I mean I thought it was very exciting when she fought Yan Zhao Nan yeah um, yeah it's just most of her fights aren't all that exciting, and that's not a knock on her. That's just styles. Her style yeah. just isn't the most exciting to watch. But Joanna, okay, Marina Rodriguez doesn't have good takedown defense, and right. at least when she fought Carla, she didn't. Joanna, um, Zhang Weili, much better with takedown defense, and they they are much heavier strikers in, in terms of the power. Uh, that's why I just have more confidence in that being a better fight. Because also, I could say with much more confidence than for Marina, as much as I've enjoyed her run, and I hate to kind of, you know, kind of go against her here, but Zhang Wei Li and Joanna are two people that are never in boring fights. Oh, very uh, true. Marina usually isn't, unless she's going up against Carla and she can't stay off her back. So yeah. that's why it's hard for me to just straight up advocate for her to get the title fight when I don't really want to see that rematch. I just don't. Yeah. Like, that rematch would have to, that would probably be on a three title fight card and it would be the third title fight. Cause nobody cares about that fight. Yeah. And, and to be clear, while I wish Marina will get it, I know in my heart that, it, she will more than likely not. Probably ninety seven percent chance she. Does I know not this get. is probably going to be the next fight for Rose, but I think there's a discussion that Andrade should get the next title fight. But I think um, that's a very reasonable option. I was even talking to JP about that. I think Andrade versus Rose three is probably the fight that you do now. That Ooh. she now, as much yeah. as I wanted that third fight to be for a title, um, I think that's a huge fight to make. Yeah. And assuming that Rose will be looking to kind of get some revenge and hopefully you soon. Know, those two are always putting on i mean yes rose does not fight like she did against carla against andrade andrade just look at both of their life. fights they've had yeah. so that that's I how like things that. line up um, yeah. again if marina gets it i'm not gonna be like not excited for that fight because i like marina rodriguez a lot carla sparza is great fighter it's just um I just have much more confidence in Zhang Weili or Joanna to put on a good performance and put on a fun fight with Carla. I like it. Just look at, I mean, just look at Joanna's first fight with Carla versus Marina's first fight with Carla. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Next one here. Sweet mother Mary. <laughs> oh, Dom. Michael Chandler. Move over, Anderson Silva. That was the original headliner here. And I, I took it away because <laughs> Dominic, Dominic's an unabashed uh, Anderson Silva stan. I love you. So I didn't, I didn't want to I didn't want to hurt him too much. But this this might just top the, the, yeah. the front kick over Vitor Belfort for the best front kick knockout in the UFC, especially because he knocked him out cold here. Yes. 
Michael Chandler KOs with a front kick to the face. Tony Ferguson, 17 seconds in round two. So many emotions that had to be Mm. gone Mm -hmm. through in this fight. You know, we all kind of went in, and I even text before the fight. When we were, I can't remember exactly what I said on Thursday, but I'm pretty sure I said that, like, I didn't love the fight, if I remember right. I thought I remember yeah. saying I didn't love the fight because I felt like Michael Chandler is still an elite lightweight, and I wouldn't consider Tony Ferguson an, an elite lightweight at this point. Yeah. And it felt like Tony Ferguson needed to fight someone backwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. While Michael Chandler could still be fighting Dustin Poirier, right. the, the, yeah. Justin Gaethje, all these guys, Benio Darius, all of them. Then we're getting to fight time, and you have the little hype video and everything, and the walkouts are coming in, and I'm like, I'm starting to get pretty pumped for this fight, though. And I text, and I said, look, I know what's most likely going to happen here is one-way traffic Michael Chandler. But I can't help but feel pretty excited for this fight now that we're here. Yeah. And that really wasn't how the fight went. <laughs> I mean, Dominic, this first round, wow. Tony Ferguson. Looked good, huh? Looked. <laughs> I mean, that was the best he's looked since he beat Donald Cerrone. That was his last. Yeah, yeah, the last win. Um, I mean, that was the. I mean, he looked fantastic in that yeah. first round. Now, do I think he won the first round? Probably not because Michael Chandler did get a takedown in the second half and uh, held the top control for, for that half of the round. So I think that would have been enough because he did land some decent ground and pound. But he dropped Michael Chandler early with a jab. Yeah. Um, just he looked to have turned back the clock a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then round two comes, and again, 17 seconds in, he lands a front kick, and Tony, yeah. for the first time in his career, out cold. Like it was a scary one. I'm talking you know? five, six minutes out. Yeah. I mean, he was out for, for a long time. Yeah. So there's a lot to discuss here, right? Uh, let's start with – let's start with Tony. Okay. This is the This is the one that's, right, the more depressing one to talk about here. Yeah. That's four losses in a row. Yeah. This one, you know, for a guy who has been so durable through his career, you look at that Justin Gaethje fight where, yes, he did get finished in round five, but – did it standing never really got knocked down it just accumulated so much damage and then the charles and benil fights he just got outclassed on the ground so it's kind of like um and then here he looks great but then gets knocked out stiff cold done yeah as as a fan of the product as a fan of tony ferguson is it over is that is is that it is that the last that you think he, we should see of him in the UFC. Yeah, and I answer that question with a question of my own, and essentially for me to lead into my discussion is that what more is there for Tony to do? You know what I mean? And that, and with me asking that leads me to want to say, we, we don't need to see him fight anymore. This dude uh, did amazing things. I mean, he came, won the ultimate fighter way back in the day, went on that immaculate 12-fight winning streak that I've already talked about earlier. He won the interim gold. Fortunately, we never got to see him fight the Habib fight. That's the one that always got away, right? Great but, uh, white buffalo. Yep. But, uh, you know, was always just a fan favorite guy, a, a bit different, you know what I mean? But someone that could uh, still relate to fans and electrify fans. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a shame. 
it's sad to see him go out like this. You know, that thrill and the agony we talk about all the time. And this one hits hard uh, for this fight specifically. To me, I think Tony's done enough four in a row. And to lose like this, I don't think we need to see him fight anymore. I'm going to push back on you a little bit here. Um, What did you tell me about that that kick knocks out anybody? In my opinion, I think right. it knocks out anybody. <laughs> so you are right. It does feel a little bit like, okay, what's what what is there left to do, right? Tony yeah. Ferguson, a man who was the interim title holder, was nearly going to fight Habib on multiple occasions for undisputed gold. I mean, he, he fought for another interim title against Justin Gaethje. We yeah. remember that. Um, a guy of 12-fight win streak. I mean, fought some of the best of the best. RDA. Uh, I mean, just all these names you could stack up for him. So what is there left to do? Well, I mean, quite frankly, if you look at the comments in, on the fight week and stuff, uh, it appears that he really wants to set his family up financially. He he wants to continue to fight is what I'm what I'm understanding. Now, I know he did have some comments about how Dana wouldn't let him go do other sports. And, you know, that got taken and ran with. But you guys, I mean, he was talking about being a professional baseball player at like 35 years old and just... I, I don't know how you can take that super serious, but regardless, um, I think that Tony looked really good here before Mm -hmm. he got caught and anybody can get caught. And especially with that kind of kick landing, anybody can get put out. I don't think that this was a overall, like, I don't think this was the end. I don't think this was the performance that says, okay, I don't need to see this wasn't the Chuck Liddell getting knocked out by Rich Franklin moment. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't like a, all right, that's a wrap. It's over. It wasn't BJ Penn getting caught in the heel hook by Ryan Hall or whatever yeah. it was. Like, yeah. It, to me, felt, again, it reaffirmed that Tony Ferguson's no longer an elite lightweight. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't think he should have been in this matchup. But if he wants to continue fighting... I think he could have some really fun scraps with people lower in the rankings oh, or yeah. even outside the rankings. I mean, could you imagine Tony Ferguson fighting uh, someone like, um, I was going to say Gregor Gillespie, but I actually I thought of uh, Bobby Green. Oh, I mean, holy shit. That'd be I mean, great. tell me that's not a great fight. And yeah. Tell me that Tony would not be competitive in that fight. He 100% would be that he's still UFC caliber. So I don't think you can say that he should hang him up. And yes, I, again, I understand the argument, but to me, he doesn't look to not be UFC caliber, you know, when right. that's when a lot of these people kind of go is when they just, they don't like Shogun Hua, for example, like, I mean, didn't yeah. look great in his, yeah. in his fight with it. And neither did really OSP all that much, but some guys like BJ Penn on his downward spiral and the losing streak towards the end. It's like he doesn't, they didn't have nothing to give. Yeah. He just didn't look even UFC caliber anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. That's why I think Tony Ferguson still has fights left. If he shall choose to do them. Right. But you just have, we need to be realistic about what kind of fights we're going to get from him and who they're going to be against. Yeah. So will Tony be okay with that? And if so, and if he does want to just get the finances in, in uh, line for his family, go do it. The I guy, mean, is, who still, am I the to guy is still a fan favorite. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. Like you said, he looked, he, by all means, he's 100% UFC caliber. Um, and he looked great in that first round. 
and you kind of did put it best. We just now officially like confirmation, no longer elite title shot done out of the picture. If he keeps fighting and fights some of these or welcomes them in, good. I would just I don't want what I don't want to see if he keeps fighting <laughs> is then to just like what if this is this knockout really plays a big toll on what could come next, and then he just starts getting starched by these young guys, or Bobby Green comes in and knocks him out. Like that's what I don't want to see. If Tony keeps fighting, as well. I think that'll be very telling if that happens. I just yeah. think you have to give due to a, a out of respect, yes, for all he's given and all he's done. I think you give him that chance, right? Right. But don't get me wrong; I see the writing on the wall here. I I see where this could lead. I and it sucks, just, man. I also just felt like there was a lot shown here that yeah. also told me he's still taking his training, his preparation, series, very much, maybe even more so than he was for his last couple fights. Yeah, I love that. I love that take. Now, let's talk about the winner here, Michael Chandler. I mean, this guy is... Okay, I'm going to use some wrestling terminology here. He is the UFC's version of The Rock. He is the most electrifying man in real combat. I mean, Pure entertainment, man. That is Michael Chandler. Win or lose, you know that you are going to get Roman Coliseum style, just fun fight. Yep. He's two and two in the UFC now, and it is the best two and two <laughs> that you could ever have. Yep. The knockout here, this is going to be a knockout of the year. We're going to be talking about this at the Joey's. I guarantee yeah. it. Oh yeah. He won fight of the year for our Joey's last year with Justin Gaethje. I have no doubt that if he fights again this year, if it's whoever it's against, you'll probably see that on the fight of the year discussion. <laughs> um, he's, I mean, this guy kind of, he came in from Bellator, right? And a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people have wanted to dislike Michael Chandler from day one. I don't know if it's, you know, he kind of talks like a, you know, you see a lot of those inspirational quote pictures on one. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have like a sunset in the background and it'll say like, uh, I don't know. It'll say like uh, some minor setbacks for major, major comeback, comeback yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, he talks like that. He like yeah. talks like inspirational quotes, like uh, which is kind of funny when people be like, "Have you ever seen those?" Like, comments? yes, I don't see them much anymore. But when they're like Michael Chandler, be like, and yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know if that's what it is or if they felt like the UFC kind of gave him some preferential treatment on his way in. You know, he was the backup for Habib Gaethje uh, back in Abu Dhabi, and then he didn't make his debut till January, and I believe they signed him in, like, September or something. So there was yeah. a few months where everybody's like, okay, when is he going to fight? Yep. For whatever, whatever it might be, and maybe people didn't think he deserved a title fight off of one win on Dan Hooker. I don't know. For whatever it is, people have, I feel like people have been kind of wanting to dislike Michael Chandler. And every step of the way, I think he keeps showing people that you can't dislike this guy. You just no. can't. How can In you? my opinion, you can't. Sure, if you're a big enough Tony Ferguson fan or oh, yeah. Charles Oliveira fan or Justin Gaethje fan, you might not want him to win. But you can't say you're not a fan of this guy. If you are a true fan of MMA, of the UFC, <laughs> yes. you are a fan of Michael Chandler. And this was just another notch in that belt that proves that he is the most fun thing going in the company. And then afterwards, Dom, to just oh. prove that he's the most electrifying man in the company, he gets on the mic and Sounded goes, like on the rock. A, goes on a three-minute 
just, I mean, adrenaline-fueled tirade against the rest of the, the division. Yeah. You know, and it was all so articulated so well. You know, a lot of these yes. guys, they get on there and they're so filled with adrenaline, they can't get their thoughts clearly out. Yeah. This guy speaks well. He talks the talk. He walks the walk. I think any fight this guy gets, he's deserving of. I mean, I just oh, I, yeah. I feel that strongly about him. If he was in a title fight next with Charles Oliveira, I wouldn't bat an eye. <laughs> yeah. If he was put up with Justin Gaethje again and a rematch of their fight of the year, Take I'd love mind. it. Yeah. If he's fighting Dustin Boyer, sign me up. Mm. If he's fighting Conor McGregor at 170 pounds, I'm here for it. I honestly might even say that would be my favorite option for Connor. Oh, it is. But, Dominic, I do want to kind of give you a chance to <laughs> say a little something here. I don't want to hog the, the No, you're the good. But for Michael Chandler, maybe I'll just ask you what fight should be next for him. Yeah, that's a great question. I also just wanted to say quickly, too, that when the UFC signs people that already have a name outside of the company, whether that be a Bellator, someone that was in the PFL, Brock Lesnar from the WWE, you know, whatever. Michael Chandler's one of the best signings the UFC has ever done, ever, in the history of the company. And the, what he has done in four fights, dare I say no one's ever done before, C- j- crashing into the UFC and making waves like he's done, never seen it in my life, ever, as a fan. I've watched this sport since I was a wee little lad. So um, amazing what this guy's done. The knockout, like you said, knockout of the year contender at the Joey Slater this year. Tune in for that in December. What comes next for Michael Chandler? Conor McGregor. Absolutely. 100%. And I'd love, listen, I'd love to see him do all those fights you talked about. Him and Dustin Poirier. Ooh, that's a fresh matchup. That'd be a great fight. Him versus Conor McGregor. 170 pounds. All day. All day. You said sign me up earlier. Sign me up for this one. I'm going to put Connor meme in here twice in this episode. That's the fight that should happen next. Connor seemed interested. Connor doesn't seem like he wants to cut back down to 155. Chandler saying, "Buddy, I'm a, I'm a I'm a little guy, but I'll I'll welcome you gladly. Welcome <clears throat> you back to the UFC at 170 pounds. That fight is electrifying. Guaranteed fireworks. Win or lose for either guy. Huge opportunity for Chandler get the biggest payday of his life. Huge opportunity for Connor to come back in and fight a guy that's taking the UFC by storm, grabbing it by the balls. <laughs> that's the fight. That's yeah, the and I would, I would, if this fight were at lightweight, I would say too much too soon for Conor McGregor. Yeah. Because I think he needs to come in and kind of work his way back. Just because, again, not, not necessarily at a Tony Ferguson level, but, you know, he took back-to-back devastating losses to Dustin Poirier. And, you know, second time he breaks his, I don't know if it was his leg or ankle yeah. or both or what but um has a long recovery you know maybe a nate diaz is the kind of fight he needs right yeah <clears throat> but it just fights at 170 pounds that really raises the stakes here because connor will have a size advantage for sure but especially now know, michael chandler <laughs> the power he carries at 155 pounds how does that carry at 170 pounds you know yeah. just a lot of questions yeah um yeah, I no doubt that would be the fight, in my opinion. Now, when is Conor McGregor going to be ready? We 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 uh-huh. hope that it's ready by the fall, right? I mean, that's I hope the so. hope. Yeah. So that would be the timetable there. But Dana just seems to be like, well, Conor's not ready, so I'm not going to speculate on. Yeah. I mean, come on, Dana. We know, we know. It might not. Have, it might not have shown it in the league, but we know Conor's name's up there somewhere. 
Dude, if you're Dana and the boys and you hear Michael Chandler <laughs> cut that promo last night, how does that not like, oh shit, let, whatever I mean, we he, have in mind for Connor, say, let's, you know. He did say that he thinks that would be a great fight, but yeah. every time he's asked about Connor, he says the same thing. Of course. Connor's not healthy. He's not ready. Once he's fully healthy, we will look for a fight for Connor McGregor. Yeah. I don't know if I really buy that. I'm sure his name's up on that wall somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. But I've, you know, I think that I I don't think that last Saturday night did anything but help Michael Chandler's chances for. Because yeah. Dana said he's like the reason why I don't like, he's like the reason that he doesn't like to look too far out when people ask like because people have been at I will admit people have been asking him for like months I about know. Yeah. who Connor's next opponent should be. He's like if you would have asked me four months ago. I wouldn't even have mentioned Michael Chandler. Yeah. He's like, true. now that might be the best option. You know, it's just yeah. like so much changes. Right. So if anything, a, go ahead. Sorry. Well, as it stands, that's the best option. Yeah. I was just going to say, if anything happens <laughs> for Connor and his return fight, that's not Nate Diaz or Michael Chandler. I think it's a miss. I'll say that. Well said. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the PFL a little bit. We got yeah, that... a lot more from UFC 274 to come, but we do need to talk about the PFL for just a second. A little bit. Um, this was their debut for the season on ESPN2, the brother network, <laughs> the brother channel of ESPN. Uh, this was by far probably their most stacked card to mm-hmm. date. Um, and I would say it, it delivered. Yeah. Um, I'll just run down the top four here. Kayla Harrison gets the win over Marina Mokot Kina via unanimous decision. Carlos Liao gets the unanimous decision win over Ray Cooper to third. Shout out to Carlos Liao from PFL Challenger Series. He defeats defeats a heavy Ray Cooper to third. Five pounds over the weight limit via unanimous decision. Then Anthony Pettis and Rory McDonald both get first round submissions Yep. Uh, Anthony Pettis over Miles Price and Roy McDonald over Brett Cooper. So those are the four big ones here. There was, of course, some other really good fights on here and yeah. uh, standout performances, but we'll probably focus mostly on these four. These are the big names, right? Um, you go through the card here, Dominic, and what what stuck out to you most while watching when you when you got finished? You know, who was the biggest winner or the biggest loser in your opinion of the night? Ugh. Oh, actually, damn it. The way you worded that at the end, it made me change my mind. (laughs) So, okay. The biggest stand-up performance to me was Carlos Leal. To do that to to Ray Cooper, he dominated. The third round was close, but he whipped the shit out of Ray Cooper for that fight. Mm. But the biggest winner, I believe, is Anthony Pettis. Mm. That was a make-or-break fight for him. And for him to win that way, because um, he was in PFL last year, obviously he went 0-2, didn't even make the playoffs for the lightweight tournament. Now he's at welterweight, and he needed this so badly. I know Miles Price wasn't the greatest name, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. It's the regular season. Pettis needed a win. He got it, and he got the finish in the first round. It's six points for the tournament. It puts him right up there at the top going into the second matchup. Biggest winner, Anthony Pettis. Biggest standout performance, Carlos Leal. I kind of cheated there and went two different ways. Um, I just want to confirm real quick. So you said Anthony Pettis at welterweight? Yes. No, he's at lightweight for this, actually. I, this was the welterweight tournament. He was at lightweight last year. Um, 
I don't know. It's showing him at lightweight on my screen, but oh yeah, this was a welterweight tournament fight. Last year he went zero and two at one fifty five. Okay, I don't know why it says lightweight on here, but I'll take your word for it. Um, but yeah, it should it would make sense, right? Because every other fight on here, was, yeah, it was, was welterweights and light. Yeah, I don't know why it says that on there then, but um, biggest loser Ray Cooper to third. Yes, I mean, yes. I like the way you took that. You took the other option. I like it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, uh, don't get Anthony Pettis was definitely a standout for me as well. Yeah. And I and I think the way the the I actually would have predicted Carlos Leal to win, especially after the weight miss. Yeah. Um, I thought he looked really good on the Challenger series, but again, you know, it's kind of like with the Contender series for the UFC, you have to be careful about how far you project those guys to go. Right. When you know they haven't fought real caliber talent of the company. But uh, Ray Cooper III, you are put in a co-managed spot on the biggest card in PFL's history. You're coming off of a uh, highlight reel win against Magomed Magomed Karimov in the the finals of the last year's tournament. Uh, You're looking like a a homegrown star, perhaps, for the PFL. You come in five pounds overweight. Then you get dominated. By yes. Carlos Leal. Bad. Frankly. It was pretty tough. Um, and with this law, I'm not sure if he's even going to be able to make the playoffs. I mean. Yeah, he's minus one because of the weight miss. One. Um, yeah, if he gets a first round finish in his next fight, that put him at five points. I'm not sure if that'll be enough. I mean, that's what he needs just to be in discussion, you know. So for guys like Anthony Pettis and Rory McDonald, who already have six points because yeah. they got first round finishes. They're already ahead of This just opened the floodgates. I mean, this this is kind of crazy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's unprecedented. And, um, for Carlos Leal, a uh, big win for him, of course, but Ray Cooper, I mean, what a fault. That's a faltering moment, man. When the, the lights shine brightest, you know, I know he, even if he won, he wouldn't have been able to get any points, but, um, the fact that he did come out and look so flat yeah. and also missed weight by five pounds. It just, it's all a bad look for a guy who was really being propped up to be, like the male, kind of like how Kayla Harrison's the female star to PFL. They wanted him to be like the yeah. male star, and yeah. he couldn't do it. Dude, and for Carlos Leal, by the way, to get this win, he's already fought twice this year on the Challenger Series. Now he's fought three times. We're talking a guy that might have to fight six times in 2022 to be the PFL champion. That's crazy, man. This the, He could make a Roush Manfio-style run that he had last year this year at 170 pounds that watch out for Carlos. Cause he looked good too, man. It mm-hmm. wasn't just the, like Ray looked flat, but Carlos looked great. I'm very excited to see what he can do. Yeah. Quick cut. Cause we wanted to double check on that PFL on Anthony Pettis and what division he was in. And uh, Dominic, I believe you have an apology written for me. I have written it no, very quickly. Uh, first off PFL, what the fuck are we doing? You wanted to stack the cards. <laughs> the, the, Women's lightweights and welterweights. By the way, we're going to have Anthony Pettis fight at 155 randomly on the card. Anthony Pettis is in the lightweight tournament again this year. Noah was right. I stand corrected. I, I now, apologize. I, even though I still stand by, I'm pretty sure when Jeremy Stevens lost in, in his post-fight little presser, I could have swore that <laughs> they when they asked him and he said something about Anthony Pettis It was like, you know, the PFL hired him to be, I thought he said, of lightweight, and he's can't even make that kind of thing. I, I yeah. swear that's what happened. I don't know if, I don't know. 
I for it was like I I like I was confident that I felt like Anthony Pettis was in the lightweight tournament, but yeah. then I remembered that, so then it kind of made me not confident. But yeah, just wanted to clear that up before we moved on, so that way there's no confusion here. Anthony yeah. Pettis was the lone lightweight <laughs> tournament fight for this card. Noah, I love you. I'm sorry. Joey's, I it's love okay. you. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was just messing with you. Fight announcements. Fight announcements. We got a lot of them to go here. A lot of them to go. Let's start with UFC 275, June 11th. Um, flyweight action, Rogerio Bontorin looking to bounce back from his split decision loss yep. to Brandon Royval. Yep. He'll be taking on Manel Cape. Now, Manel Cape was supposed to fight. Uh, just a couple weeks ago in a really highly anticipated fight for yours truly against Sum Sumatareji. Um That fight being canceled at the 11th hour because it appeared Manel Cape had popped for PEDs. But now he's scheduled to fight here in June. So I don't claim to know what happened there. <laughs> Maybe Manel was found. Maybe I. My best guess, and this is not going to be correct. <laughs> At least you're up front. When was his? I, you're not going to probably know. What, Manel Cape's last fight before the Bontering fight was probably in like September, October. Yeah, he fought a lot that first year. Probably late. I, yeah, I think probably October, September, somewhere in that time frame. So my best guess is that it was like um, I don't I I don't know if this is the case, but I'm just thinking that maybe he was suspended from the his last fight, like it was oh so many months from that's because you see that a that's lot, but true. usually usually it's like post fight samples come yeah. back testing positive, and then they're like, okay, you are suspended from your last fight to. Yeah, but then would they have flipped the, like, so would his last fight not have counted though? Then I wonder if that was the case. But I, but I don't think that's what happened. Yeah, I think, yeah. A, I think it was just a drug test that tested positive in the lead up to his fight with. Sue. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Maybe huh. they found. Maybe he's challenging it, and he's allowed to fight while he's challenging it, or yeah. maybe. Because I don't, I don't know what the his, history says about that. Maybe this, they took it again. Maybe oh. they found that it was a false positive, but I haven't heard any corrections being made on yeah. that. So I've not uh, heard like anything about it. It was very, very it happened, small, and then that of, was it. It's just because the men's flyweight's getting overlooked once again. And yeah, true. Manel Cape isn't. Got, we think very highly of him, but yeah. he is someone that I think a lot of people just aren't that aware of. Yeah. So he's back though, and let's just—I mean—I guess we move on. And yeah, he's fighting Bontrain. I think it's a great fight. It's not the fight that the Sue fight was, in my opinion, but um, it's probably the fight Manel Cape should be taking. Sue, a bit less polished, a bit greener. Uh, Manel Cape, a former Ryzen champion. I think this is more of his uh, level of expertise, I guess, with Rogerio Bontrain. Yeah, that's a fun scrap, and I will just say, hopefully for Sue Matarazzi, being that this fight got taken away from him against Cape, hopefully he gets semi-rewarded with someone close to the top 10 as well. I would like that as well. June 25th, um, Armand Saryukin versus Matos Gamrod. They're just going to keep making Saryukin uh, take on these other, basically the mirror versions of himself, the, yeah. the other lightweight prospects slash contenders, and here he gets Matos Gamrod. 
that I mean, this is eleven versus twelve. This is the two guys, you know, not leading the charge. I'd say that's Faziyev leading the charge. But this wave of new talent coming in to re- start replacing some of these older guys that have been at the top of lightweight for so long, it sucks they have to fight each other. But I guess at some point you reach a point into the rankings where you have to do it and eliminate one of them. So that's what we're getting right here. Yeah, both guys have looked extraordinary. Looked to take new levels in their yes. last fights. I mean, Gamrot's the one that had the submission on Jeremy Stevens, right? That's yeah, the he, Kimura. Ooh. Yeah, and then Saryukin. I mean, the the beating he put on uh, Joel Alvarez was yeah, yeah. just nasty. Um, UFC two seventy six had a Dude. bunch of stuff announced. Now, yeah, one of these is more or less just confirmation of what we already knew. Middleweight title, Israel Adesanya taking on Jared Cannonier. That one was pretty much lock. Uh, yeah. What do you call it? Uh, Signed, sealed, delivered. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered from day one. Uh, but, Dominic, our co-main event, kind of coming out of nowhere here, uh, will be that trilogy bout between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway for the featherweight title. Volkanovsky taking this fight July 2nd, basically two months uh, three months after his previous fight, yeah. so Volkanovski staying committed to being a a a active champion, and he takes on his hardest his hardest fight, Max Holloway. Hopefully, that fight actually comes through. Um, your thoughts on these two title fights? It's fantastic, right? I mean, International Fight Week, the UFC tries to go big every year. They're doing it again here. Two title fights. One of your biggest stars in Andrew Adesanya with a fresh matchup against Jared Cannonier, two guys that have wanted to fight each other for a long time. And then, I mean, Volk versus Holloway 3, the trilogy. Volk up 2-0, but damn it, it feels like they're just 50-50 right down the middle through 10 rounds that they've had with one another. I hope it stays together, like you said. Hopefully, clearly, at least from what it seems, obviously, that Max will be recovered in time, get a full training camp in. Volk, uh, you know, said he didn't take much damage against Korean Zombie, wanted to be active. He doesn't care who he fights. And I even heard Dana was saying, should you know Volk win this one, he'd welcome him to go up to 155 and fight for a belt too. So big implications on the line for Volk more than what typically would be for a title fight. That that coming event is just the most intriguing fight mm, mm. right now. Yeah. Somehow the stakes of that fight just feel even bigger. Yeah. Volkanovski's yeah. got these aspirations to become a double champ, a a, a real legacy building moment there, and I. Max Holloway, not long ago, had those same aspirations. He went up and fought Dustin Poirier for the interim lightweight title. Um, Gosh, it still feels like Max Holloway has another run, another title run in him. But Alexander Volkanovsky gets better and better. I mean, look at that performance he put on the Korean Zombie. Flawless. Flawless performance. And, you know, even before that, the the fight against Brian Ortega. I mean, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But then you got Max Holloway putting on the beatings of – Calvin Cater and have an amazing fight with um, Yair Rodriguez. It's these two are literally like it's it's it's. I mean, they're going. They're both going Goku like super. <laughs> yes, now. yes. But yet they're in the same division. So only one person can be the champion. Amen. Uh, following that, July 9th had a, had a couple announcements. We do have a potential main event. This has not been uh, signed, I believe. Rafael squared. It is happening. Rafael Dos Anjos. Taking on Rafael Fazayev, and a little lower on this card, maybe the co-main spot. Cody Garbrandt is back, and he's going up against Randy Yaya. Bit of a surprise there yeah. in the opponent. I'm going to actually go out on a limb and say that I think that is a fantastic matchup. 
It is a good um, matchup. I think a lot of people are kind of clowning Cody Garbrandt for this matchup. I believe even uh, someone in our group, when it was sent, said how the mighty have fallen. And yeah. yes, there is a bit of truth to that. But also, I think it's a... Okay, Randy Yaya is extraordinarily talented. He is a bit long in the tooth as well. He's a little older, uh, but he's a jiu-jitsu ace, yes. Is this flyweight or bantamweight? Bantamweight. Okay. I believe. All I need... Randy Yaya is a bantamweight, okay. I believe. So. Go on. Randy Yaya, jiu-jitsu ace, amazing grappler. Cody, so the, the, the challenge is different for Cody Garbrandt, right? Because his problem is that he... He just can't really take the the damage, the punishment, the punches that a lot of these power punchers he's been fighting can deliver. Pedro Munoz, Kaikara France, TJ Dillashaw. Um, but here, that's not necessarily the battle he's fighting, at least you would hope not. Yeah. Uh, so because of that, it, it's a it's a get right fight for Cody Garbrandt. It's a yeah. It's, it is for and every because because Randy Yaya is still so talented that it's not an easy fight, but it's one that if Cody Garbrandt is even a shred of who he used to be. He should he's win. win. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the perfect way to put it. You know, when I um, for that mighty have fallen, it's just crazy. It was just that name value drop is so significant for Cody. But you're right. I mean, this is. Let's be honest here. It's probably a fight that should happen. Does he? Does he even like necessarily deserve to even be thrown in with a top ten right now? Being on this skid that he's on. Believe me, I love Cody, Ohio boy, all the way. Just mm. met him last month. It's crazy to see him after all these years, all these huge fights. He's just been such a big name for this division. It's like, oh, that really just, it stunned me. Um, but, yeah, it is a get-right fight for him, and it is one that makes sense. And if he loses that one, oof. But let's not get into that until July. And, by no. the way, go ahead, sorry. No, you continue. I was just going to transition into the other fight a little bit, Rafael Squared. I just hope it happens. They've scheduled it like three times. It's a phenomenal fight. Yeah, I can't really even say more on it because yeah. I feel like we've talked about it so much. But, yeah, obviously that's a big main event. I thought yeah. RDA might actually be able to get past that one after his win, the beating he put on uh, Hinato Moicano. I thought there, yeah. he might be due for one of those top contenders at lightweight. But it is a really interesting matchup with him and Fazayev. And after that beating he put on him, I mean, Fazayev's taken some damage, man, yeah. in some of his fights. You look at the Rydell fight. You look at how he fought Bobby Green. Mm-hmm. Who's to say RDA? I mean, I think a lot of people are going to look at Fazayev as like uh, the guy who's going to come in and you know prove that he is of the elite. You know that that gatekeeper that RDA tends to play. Yeah, but don't be surprised if RDA man really makes that a a very interesting oh, fight. You know? Absolutely. Now, Cody Garbrandt. It's. Again, if he does lose, obviously, like, you know, that's so many losses in a row and stacking up and so many, I forget, it'd be like five of six or six of seven or whatever yeah. it would be. Um, this fight, and with a win, it doesn't necessarily say he's back either. It just, right. uh, he's not ranked anymore at Bandway because he moved to flyweight. But, um, you know, since he's going back to Bandway, I'm glad he's not fighting a top 10 guy. He should yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. He's got that big name, but he should. It's like Tony Ferguson at this point. He shouldn't be fighting elite level bantamweights. Yeah, I agree. Uh, July thirtieth, the second pay per view of the month, UFC two seventy seven. It looks like that's where we'll be seeing the return of Luke Rockhold. Now, hmm. if there is a fight on this list that I am not confident we'll actually see the light of day, it is this one. Yeah, Luke Rockhold coming back to fight Paulo Costa. 
Now I know this the what the knee jerk reaction is for this one, but uh, due to Paulo Costa's recent um, what a unraveling, guy. is that the word? His that's a great word for it. Um, maybe Luke Rockhold's really got a chance here. Oh yeah, I mean a hundred percent. Luke Rockhold. I mean, dare I say, the more well-rounded fighter anyways on paper. So it's been a long time, man. That's a long layoff. He was supposed to be fighting November against Strickland. That fight fell through. They're throwing him back into the wolves, though. I got to say, against a power puncher, you know, Luke Rockhold has a suspect chin we've seen. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, the long layoff could maybe help that. It's a good fight. I mean, the UFC's clearly looking to throw Luke right back into the mix should he win here. So I respect that uh, for Paulo. This fight is at middleweight, by the way, too. I believe. For now, we'll see. <laughs> come, both come guys did have. Both yeah. guys have fought at light heavyweight before. <laughs> yeah, so. true. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. Paulo does need uh, to get a win to kind of keep himself relevant within 185. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I I I almost want to bet that this fight actually doesn't end up happening. Apparently, this is verbally agreed to. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, what does that mean? Did you see the pictures that Paulo was putting up of? <laughs> Photoshop Dana and Ro- that was weird. Dude. Yeah, so weird. Yeah. Um, August sixth, we have a main event: Dom Tiago Santos versus Jamal Hill. Honestly, mm. it just feels like a fight that I've seen a million times at this point. <laughs> Tiago Santos versus an up and coming guy in the main event. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. I'm. I don't know. Tiago, you know how much I love Maheta, but um, this is like yeah. his fourth or fifth main event in a row, and he's yeah. probably gonna lose like almost all of them so it just uh yeah i'm excited for jamal hill but i don't know i almost feel like tiago santos does not feel like the sixth best light heavyweight in the world anymore to me yeah uh, jamal hill it 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 purely feels like just a a way to get jamal hill close to the top five yeah tiago's last fight johnny walker right was that the last fight? he lost a magomed on clive oh yeah forgot about that fight shit you're right um, and then Jamal Hill knocked out Johnny Walker with that nasty KO. It's just a huge fight for Jamal to catapult himself in even further to solidify what people already like, believe in. Should this really know? be the main event? I mean, really. uh, it doesn't need to be, no. Because like, Jamal, wh- if Jamal wins, it ain't going five rounds, I don't think. Well, I guess that does make it interesting because Tiago hasn't really been getting finished on this. Yeah, true. I mean, he, he lost to Ankalaya via decision. That's the problem, though, is, like, he's not, he's he's almost just staying, he's he's fighting not to lose. He's not really fighting to win anymore. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. He got lucky against Johnny Walker that he ran, he fought a guy who also was fighting not to lose, so. Right. Um, it just, it doesn't really f- hit me as, like, a main event. Like, the RDA, yeah. Fazio, it doesn't hit me that same way, even if the rankings are the exact same, I think. Yeah, um, I agree with that, for sure. Let's get on to the rest, Dom. We got a lot of fights to go over here. Let's talk about that main event of Bellator Paris. Uh, Could have made it a headline. Probably should have, but the fight was pretty dull, so I didn't. Ryan Bader does get the unanimous decision win over Czech Congo. Was it really ever in doubt? I mean, I know we kind of thought maybe Czech Congo with the size and power. uh, And the the nut shots, you know, could maybe make this a a fight, but... Ryan Bader is just, uh, he's still a very good heavyweight, and he's the best Bellator has. Czech Congo, good, still fighting at a high level despite his age, but just a bit slower, a bit less 
talented than Ryan Bader, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The biggest win for this fight is that it doesn't have to go down as the worst fight of the year because <laughs> Esparza and Rose took that It's one. also Yeah, it didn't even have to be the worst fight of the weekend. Yeah, it didn't even have to be the worst of the weekend. So, you know, I will say Bader did what he had to do, right? He, he implemented a game plan, and as soon as he realized that it was going to work, copy and paste for five rounds. He held the back of Chet Congo up against the cage, hardly any activity. Um, but, I mean, that's like two or three titles. I think it's his third title defensive heavyweight. So, Bader's good, man. And uh, Congo, 46 years old, what – can you really expect of him if he's not going to get like some crazy, you know, knockout or a random submission? So, yeah, that's really all there was to it. Does Fedor have a fight? Willing to... No, not that Let's I know. Let's do of. Fedor, right? Yeah. Let's do that. History, too. Coming event, Yoel Romero, when the <laughs> last second of the fight gets the TKO over Alex Polizzi, 459 of round three. Now, Yoel Romero pretty much dominated this fight from pillar mm-hmm. to post. So, in your opinion, was this the kind of performance you needed to to strike a little bit of confidence in uh, this run in Bellator for Yoel Romero? Or is it a bit of uh, nice to see, but you still kind of look at him and go, okay, doesn't have much left? Yeah, exactly the latter of what you said. And he already has his next fight booked because they're doing the Melvin Manhall fight, and they're doing it in September in Dublin, I, Ireland. I forgot to put that on the fight announcements, but I guess... That it transitions well yeah. here anyway. Um, which that fight, you know, whatever. Two forty something year olds, the combined fight age will be like nine. I thought the Polizzi fight was the tougher fight for him. So oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what we're expecting there. I will say though, Yoel, you let your hands go and you look good and look what happens when you let your hands go. You're still a brick shit house that hits with sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. So good on him for getting a his first win since February of twenty eighteen. Wow. Is that yeah. wow? That's wow. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Uh, more UFC talk here. UFC 274. Opener of the main card, Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon falling out. Donald Cerrone getting food poisoning, unfortunately, yeah. hitting a bad taco establishment the <laughs> before. Um, I feel your pain, Donald. I, I, I can't even eat Papa John's pizza anymore because of the pain that. It yeah. put me through. I guess Papa John's will never sponsor us now that I've uh, damn it soiled the, <laughs> the Papa. Uh, Randy Brown and Chaos Williams get the bump here. Go to the main card, and they make pretty good work out of it. Yeah, Randy Brown does ultimately get a split decision. It felt a little bit in this fight like uh, it was Randy Brown. Man, this this was an interesting fight because the commentary was a little skewed to Randy. I felt like I felt like. Uh, there wasn't a i felt like chaos was doing a little bit more than yeah you know, like rogan was yeah. acknowledging again i don't like to be nitpicky about commentary i just noticed that a little bit um so i feel like a lot of people were surprised that it was a split decision because i think a lot of people's thoughts do get molded by the commentary more than they realize but uh for me i thought this was a super close fight super competitive yes. fight yes uh the difference i wanted to say that it felt like Randy Brown was the more like I think we kind of nailed this in the preview. Oh yeah, Randy Brown the more technical, more complete fighter, but yeah. Chaos Williams having a lot of power in his shots and uh, also just being very good with how he uses his aggression. He's kind of he's kind of uh, a technical brawler. I don't know if that's the, what I'm yeah. going to use. He can just maybe. explode, man. And yeah, and he's very good at being able to pick those times when he does. Yes. It. He uses his energy very effectively and. and Therefore, he last he carries his power into round three. You saw that against Baeza yeah. and here, 
But I think the right guy won. I thought Randy Brown was the the winner on my on my scorecard. But I didn't think a scorecard giving it to Chaos was a bad scorecard either. Yeah, Chaos had that knockdown in the third because it was pretty clear one apiece going into the third. Knocked Randy down early. Randy seemed to recover relatively quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe even lost his footing a little. But then he gets a uh, top control. Kind of won the rest of the round like over three minutes worth. So yeah. I felt the right guy won. Randy Brown. That round two was a great round for him, man. When he's flowing, he looked really yeah, good, really complete, really you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chaos is still a fun fighter. He carries that power, and for that reason alone, he's always going to have tension when you're watching. Like, yeah. oh, shit, well, could the shot land, you know what I mean? But, yeah, Brown, the more complete fighter, got the win. Three in a row now, by the way. Top 15 should come next. I said yeah. whoever wins should get it. Randy should get it. They, he definitely should. I wouldn't even mind if both guys got top 15, as weird yeah. as that sounds. Just because I thought it was so competitive, I felt like both guys showed they are very good fighters. And, yes. You know, Randy Brown, friend of the show, so we're not we're not being biased here, but we just – he – I think in the striking, this was the most he's shown me up to this point in his career. Yeah, I agree. Last year he was in the sub of the year. Who's to say mm. this year he doesn't he – doesn't, you know, try to double down with the Joey's awards, you know? Right. Right. Um, next one, Brandon Roy Val, the comeback kid. Dude. I mean, come on this guy. This, this fight went two minutes and 14 seconds. And <laughs> he got fight of the Roy, night. <laughs> Roy Val had to fight through getting knocked down, getting multiple submission attempts put on him and ultimately gets the submission over Matt Schnell. Schnell, man, I you gotta almost feel for the guy. I know, <laughs> like, man. Like you thought he really, I I really thought this was I I I was so devastated when I was at first watching this. I'm like, oh no, I'm like no, I love Roy Val so much. Yeah, and no disrespect to Matt Schnell and and that I had a dog, kind of a dog in this fight, but Roy Val comes back, gets the win. He got the fight of the night bonus i think yeah I think this fight got fight of the night two minutes 14 seconds is that the shortest fight of the night ever i mean that's that's gotta Do be you pushing feel it. like it was fight of the night i was kind of surprised they gave it to this one yeah like this or i mean Oliveira <laughs> gagey they probably didn't do that because he missed weight though yeah um, that's true that's true it, i mean shit that, ferguson and chandler could have ferguson and chandler could have been i mean honestly you probably do just performance bonuses and give roy val one yeah that's probably no fight of the night yeah, I agree. But uh, Roy Val, man, he's four and two in the UFC. The guy fights eight times a year. It's crazy. He has so many. All four of his or no, three <laughs> of his four wins are via submission. He should have all four, but there was a phantom tap. Didn't get seen in his fight with Pontarine. Randy Roy Val keeps his spot in the top five. <clears throat> I still think he can be a future title challenger, man. Regardless, oh, I like I, I posed the question on Twitter, like, can he be? Or his his you know fight style calls for concern, regardless of how reckless he is. I can see him fighting for a title. Well, he called for a title shot in his post-fight. Did you hear speech. the specifics of that, by the way? Mm-hmm. Kind of. So he called to be the backup for an interim <laughs> title fight oh that gosh. is supposedly going down between Brandon Moreno and Kaikar France because I saw that Davidson Figueredo injured both of his hands and cannot fight Moreno. Mm. Now, so I we'll see what happens there. To, to add fuel to that fire in the um, – post-fight press conference with Dana White, they asked him if that quadrilogy fight with Davison and Marino was still going to be next, and he said, unfortunately, no. Mm, so, there you go. That could make sense, then. Okay. I, I mean, hey, look, Roy Val's got the win over Kai Car France. He's the last man to beat Kai Car France. Yeah. I feel like that should carry a lot of weight, but also, 
He got finished by Alexandre Pantoja. Where's Pantoja in this mix? I know, the poor guy, damn it. He should have said yes, I guess. I I guess, right? (laughs) Um, Next up, Andre Fialo. In as as many months, gets his second knockout over Cameron Van Camp, making his debut here in round one. Fialo, just another explosive, exciting guy to watch. And, Dom, he may not... I'm not saying he's going to end up being a Hamza-level star, but... He's doing that Hamza thing he's where good. he is asking for fights. He's staying active. He's asking to fight each week. And Dana even admits, he's like, I love that shit. Yeah, yeah. If Fialo keeps this up and keeps winning, I mean, he's. I mean, these are winnable fights he's getting each. I mean, the Baeza one, we, we really thought Baeza was going to get that win. But yeah. here you're going up against a debuting fighter. No disrespect to Cameron Van Camp, but because of that, if he if he just stays active, he might get a lot of winnable fights on that way, and he could really build up a lot of credibility by getting these first round finishes and it just being that exciting, explosive fighter that he's been up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I say Carlos Leal from BFL might fight six <laughs> times this year. Andre Fialho debuted in the UFC at UFC 270 in January. He's fought three times since, and he said he wants to fight again in June. And I mm-hmm. guarantee that he will fight again in June. This dude's got power. He's a finisher. He's in fun fights. It's the perfect recipe that Dana loves. Mm-hmm. Last one. Lupe Godinez gets a dominant unanimous decision over Ariane Carnelosi. Best Lupe's looked up to this point? Dude, she is legit. Mm-hmm. Lupe Godinez, former LFA champion, give her top 15 next. If you I, give her a full fight camp, she's a threat, dude, like you said. Yeah, the only two losses in the UFC she took on short notice, and I'm pretty sure both, but definitely one of them, was up a weight class that, at 125. And one was like a pretty debatable decision. Yes, loss, like she could easily be 4-1 in the UFC, no problem. Maybe even 5-0, again, if you give her a fight camp. This, Lupe Godinez, like 27 years old, a, a future, like there haven't been, while the strawweight division's deep, there aren't many like new faces like Flyweight is seeing. Loopy's leading the charge. Give her top 15 next. This woman is legit. Well said. I completely agree. And top 15 should be next. Mm-hmm. That's going to wrap it up for all the fight talk. We do have one more, Dom. That's uh, of course. closing statements. Yes. What do you got for us today? Uh, now I wish I would have gave the Mother's Day speech here, but I gave it at the beginning. But again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. If you're <clears> celebrating <throat> with your family, I know it's Monday, so you've already done your celebrating. Uh, but hope you all have a great week. I know here in the great state of Ohio, it's going to be awful, beautiful, 80 degrees. The sun's going to be coming out. We've got fights to discuss on Thursday. We've got bets to place and hopefully golf to play for me. I'm excited. Actually, you know what? Here's my closing statement. It just came to me. One of our good friends and a listener of the show, Jordan, JPZ getting married this week against the love of his life. Against so, the love of his life. I'm thinking too much of the fight game. <laughs> With the love of his life down in Jamaica, I hope they have a great trip. So happy for them. Excited to see him when they get back up. Yeah, I I will just reaffirm what you just said. So that's going to see us out. Uh, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We're the below average Joes, and we will see you on Thursday.